You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Yes, indeed, it is another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast, and I am Chris McPherson, joined alongside, as always, by my man, Alex Smith. C-Mac, how are we feeling today? Outstanding. Huge, huge win over the Falcons on Sunday at the Link. But this weekend, the Eagles have a big challenge on the road in Seattle, and our special guest on this week's edition of the podcast going against that talented Seahawks secondary is one Doriel Green Beckham, and he's new to Philadelphia. But his backstory, it's heartbreaking, overcoming a lot of adversity, learning from mistakes along the way, some well-publicized mistakes. Mm -hmm. I recall being at the Combine a couple years ago in Indianapolis, and sad to say that every year it seems like the big story or the player who gets the most attention is usually someone who has off-the-field concerns. Mm -hmm. And that was Doriel Green Beckham. It was, he had all the talent in the world. Mm -hmm was dismissed from the University of Missouri, went to Oklahoma for a year, didn't play a game, was on the scout team, decided to declare for the draft, and it was the, was well, got all the talent in the world, should be a first-round selection based on talent, but is this someone who you could trust on the field? And since he's arrived in Philadelphia, I don't think anyone's really gone into his backstory, the road that he's taken to get to where he is now, and I personally have been hoping to have him as a guest on the podcast. And then later on, we're going to hear from his... It's interesting, I'll just say his father, Father John Beckham. He adopted him, was his high school coach, coached some of his siblings, but realized the situation that both he and his brother Darnell were in at the time, and his family said that there's no escaping this. They need consistent support, and the Beckhams stepped up to the task, and we will hear from him and what it was like and what it's been like from his perspective. The football story of Doriel Green Beckham and the non-football story of him are incredible because mm-hmm. you look at the football story and it's one of the most gifted wide receivers to ever come out of the state of Missouri, an incredibly talented player. Some analysts said he, he was the best wide receiving prospect they'd seen since Randy Moss, a guy who has all the talent. That's kind of been the football side, but the non-football side, the off-the-field part is the story that I think not a lot of people know, especially here in Philadelphia since he's only been here for a few months, and they see the player on the field, but they don't really know what he's been through and what he's gone through. So to hear from Doriel and to hear from John, his adoptive father, it's eye-opening. That's the word for it. Well, let's get right into it. Our interview with wide receiver Doriel Greenbeckham. DGB, welcome to the Eagles Entire Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. So first thing I want to ask you is, you've got a son, correct? A one-year-old, yes, sir. One-year-old. His name is Draylon? Draylon Isaiah. And what stage is he at? Is he at the point where he's running around and getting into trouble? I feel like at this point right now, he's at the stage where he's kind of think he's the man of the house. He gets everything he wants. <laughs> His mom spoils him a lot. He's at that young age where, you know, they're just grabbing and going, getting anything <laughs> they can put their hands on, just causing problems, getting everything their way. <laughs> you got to check the house every time to make sure things are closed up and everything in the right spot. How important is the fatherhood role to you? For me, it's very important because when I was growing up, I actually didn't have my father around. So, like, for me to have a son right now, it's very important for me to, like, be a part of his life. I have that relationship with him that I didn't have when I was growing up as a young child. And I learned that through Coach Beckham, which is my father now, and the Beckham family. He taught me everything that I need to know about the fatherhood, like being a father, just being loved. For me, being a young guy at 23 and having my one-year-old, I take that very seriously. 
I use my father, Coach Beckham, as a resource for anything that I need. What was your childhood like? How would you describe it? I mean, it's rough. Growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, having like seven of us in the same house and just having that single mom take care of all of us, it was hard because we're always struggling, trying to figure out like what to do, how to get to school, like all of those little things that a father should have been there and helped us. And for me, like, I always try not to think about my past or anything like that and try to, like, move on, focus on what I need to focus on as a young guy. And for my son, I just don't want him to go through the situation that I've been through not having me around. His mom knows that, and we both know that, like, I'm going to be a part of his life. We're great parents. We've been there for each other since my freshman year in college, and it's going to continue. Like, just that relationship with me and her is going to go a long ways. Do you think that your upbringing in St. Louis has made you stronger as a person, though, looking back on it now? Yeah, looking back, yeah, to see what I went through, it built me as a person. I can only thank the Beckhams. They've seen, like, the ups and downs because, like, they've had kids coming in and out of their household for years, and I happen to be one of those. Me being adopted by them my sophomore year, it opened my eyes and made me realize, like, what my future could become. And that was me staying in school, sticking to sports, and just trying to be that student athlete. I feel like I wouldn't have been here in the situation I am now without the Beckhams. And they're the one who pulled me out of that situation, and that's why I'm here now. You have one brother you're very close to, and his name is Darnell. Is that correct? Darnell, yep. Darnell. And he was a tremendous athlete in his own right. He was a three-star recruit. Is that correct? Yeah, he was a three-star recruit. He did football, basketball, track, baseball. He did one more sport than what I did. And <laughs> so who was a better athlete? Part. So who was a better athlete? Better athlete? Of course, me. You can say I yourself. Mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, at the, I'm at the end of my ropes right now. You know, like, I mean, after this, what is there left for me to do? True. I'll say all my brothers were good athletes, and we have all played football, basketball, and track. We all, like, kind of stuck with it. But I was the one who actually, like, put that more effort in and put that extra time. And that's why I ended up succeeding, and that's what brings me here today. Now, Darnell was diagnosed with leukemia, is that correct? Yes, sir. So how old was he when that came about? It was my junior year, his freshman year, so he was about like... Of high school? Yeah, in high high school. school. So he was probably like 16, 17 years old at that time when he got leukemia. It was tough because it was at a time where it was during basketball season, like right after football. Like I just get done playing with him in football season, and he just wasn't feeling well. And we started to notice something was wrong with him, so we took him in to try to figure out, like, what it was. And the doctor told him it was leukemia, and they shipped him out to St. Jude's out in Memphis. It was tough for our family to go through that situation, but he knew that we had him in our heart and that we were going to be there for him. And we still continue to have that family relationship and just, like, figure out ways where we can move forward. When you first hear that your brother has leukemia, how shocking is that? Does it take some time to kind of sink in? It was hard just hearing it, just knowing, like, my little brother has cancer. Like, that part was just tough on all of us. There was times where we couldn't sleep. I really missed probably a couple days of school because of just having that in the back of my head and just knowing, like, my little brother's up there fighting for his life. It was really hard on our family, but we figured out a way to just get by and just, like, hold each other accountable. So we just knew, like, all right, we just got to be a family. Stay strong, be there for each other. Help build his confidence. Let him know that we're there for him. Let him know that everything's going to be okay. Your jersey number in college was a combination of your two numbers. Is that correct? That's correct. So you came from, it's not just you and your brother. You mentioned a big family, but was it 14 total children in your family? If I'm correct, I'm trying to Either that or more. (laughs) (laughs) 
What's interesting is, DGB, that I've met many players over the years who come from different family situations, who have overcome single-parent homes and things of that nature. But I don't know if I've ever met anyone who battled homelessness at times. There were times where you know where you're going to sleep at night, you're living out of a van for a while. What do you recall about those times with your family? To think about that, you just think like, it's a lot of us. And there's not many bodies that can take care of all of us. There was times where we didn't know like where we were going to sleep or what we were going to eat or how to take care of each other. Like what's going to happen after this? Moving from foster homes, like all that type of stuff, it was tough because then you don't know like who to trust. You don't know what to believe. You just didn't get the time to build those relationships. So when did you first meet Coach Beckham, John Beckham? Well, I met Coach Beckham my eighth grade year because I had two older brothers that went to the high school. And back when Coach Beckham used to coach there, my two brothers played for him. Okay. So, like, he knew my brothers, so he kind of, like, had an idea or kind of knew a little bit about the things that we were going through. When my brothers, like, had, like, away games or stuff like that, I asked the Beckham family if I could be able to travel just to go watch the game. To build that relationship with them from all those years, they felt comfortable with me being around, and they knew a lot about us because I was always, like, sticking around that area, feeding into that high school that I was going to end up going to to follow my brother's footsteps. So they brought me in my sophomore year in high school, and that's when I ended up being adopted. So what was that time like in terms of discussing that with your mom? Because obviously she's doing everything she can to raise you. So was that a difficult time for her to say, obviously I want the best for you and your brother, but they're hers, and she's been doing everything she can to get you to where you guys are at? It was hard for her to just let us go to another family. Like We understand Like she tried to do everything she could to try to help us, she always told me that no matter what happens, that she's always going to be there for us. And she still is. That's today. We still communicate. Actually, yesterday, I just talked to my grandma because yesterday was her birthday. Okay. So I just talked to my mom's mom up there. and Happy uh, birthday to DGB's grandmother. So, I mean, she was very proud for me to just call and wish her happy birthday and stuff like that. And I also talked to my mom, too, because she was around. Just hearing their voice, just knowing that they're still there for me, and that's not going to change. I mean, it's important because I'm a big family man, even though I got like my own family. So I'm more a little strict when it comes to my family and my son because, I mean, just everything that I've been through, just growing up in that environment isn't a place for anybody. Definitely my son, I want him to be around good people, people that's going to be there for him, people that's going to help him succeed in his life. Like I was saying, like that's something I didn't have. And I'm really going to try to do the best I can to get that to my son. Have you ever spoken with your father? I've never met my father, so I have no idea whatsoever about him. I know if it's one of those situations where you become a big football star, you get drafted in the NFL, all of a sudden he comes out of the woodwork and wants to have a relationship with you there. I mean, I, I hear about guys like that and like their fathers coming out of nowhere. But I thought about it. I was thinking the same thing. Like, where's my father? Like, is he going to pop up sometime mm-hmm. eventually and notice like what I've been going through or what's been going on in my life? But I kind of just like not worry about it, not try to focus on that. I just try to focus on being a father and being there for my family. So when they officially adopted you, was it your choice to add Beckham onto your last name or was that something that they'd wanted for you? It, it was definitely my choice to add Beckham. I felt comfortable doing it because I needed a family. I have one, but my father's never been there. So when the Beckhams came, it kind of like put a light off in my head. Like, these are great people that care just for you and they want to see you succeed. Before I got there, that's being children coming in and out of their household before I got there. So I knew they were good people. 
they open up their house to anybody that needs a place to stay. That's what type of people they are. Did you ever wonder growing up before you met the Beckhams, why me, why us? There's always times where I thought about that, like, why us, like, why me? But I try not to focus on it or think about it because really at this point now, like, it just, it just made me a better person. It shows a lot out of me when I step on that field. I'm fighting for a lot. I'm fighting for my family. And I know that everything that I've happened in the past, I'm just taking it out on the field. So it's kind of just like me just erasing my past and just try to have a new era. When you were dismissed from Missouri and went to Oklahoma, did you ever think that maybe you had blown your chance at football success and that way out to be able to provide for your family? Honestly, I did. I felt like once I left Missouri that I felt like that it was over with, that I wasn't going to make it to this position, that I wasn't going to be able to play in the league, that no team was going to take me. It was hard because I was like, well, this was my only dream I had. I don't know what to do after this. I'm leaving Missouri. I know other teams are probably crossing me off their list or stuff like that. So it was kind of just like, what am I going to do now? I got to at least try to finish school or go somewhere and try to play and try to like give them a reason why all those things that were said about me isn't true. And I just felt like I had a chip on my shoulder. So when I left and went to Oklahoma, after I heard that I wasn't going to be able to play, I was just like, all right, so what am I going to do then? Should I just leave school or that's the mindset guys will have. But I was like, I got to figure out a way to get my education. I'm going to go to school, do everything I need to do. Even though I'm not going to plan, I'm still going to be here for my teammates. How did Coach Beckham guide you through that time? Just him being a father, letting me know, like, hey, focus on school. We'll get through it. You know, just to focus on what I need to do as a person and try to make myself better. So when you transferred to Oklahoma, was there a chance that you were going to be able to play right away? We were trying to get an appeal to the NCAA about if they was going to be able to let me play from the transfer and stuff like that. I had to wait back to hear from them. It turned out to be that they denied it. So then I was like, well, what am I going to do now? I'm not playing. But I felt like my team still needed me even though I wasn't playing. Well, I'm going to stay here, practice, go to class, do those little things. Just show that I'm still a team player. Even though I'm not playing, but I'm still going to try to make them better at practice. So you don't play that year, then you decide to declare for the draft. What was that decision process like? The reason I left behind that is because I was having a son on the way, and that's when Draylon was coming. And I just felt like that this was my opportunity to try to provide for my family. I can't really do that staying another year in school. You know, I was like, well, I could try to declare for a draft, either get picked up, get drafted by a team, or even if I was a free agent or something like that, then... I was still going to try to figure out a way that I could help take care of my family. So you spend your rookie season in Tennessee. What do you recall about finding out that you'd been traded to Philadelphia? When I got the news that morning of getting traded, I was thinking, like, if I really thought about it, the last three years, I have not been in one place no longer than a year. The three years, I've been at different homes. So it kind of, like, made me realize all right, well, I mean, I've been through a lot. Now I'm traded. Now I'm going over here. What am I doing wrong? Like, what am I need to do to, like, build myself better and carry myself better? Do you feel like this is a place where you can really kind of plant those roots? Yeah, I feel like this is a place I can grow. I like everybody in the organization. I feel comfortable, and especially my teammates. My teammates have been there for me. That's one thing that's big for me. Like I was saying, like, family, this is my family, too. And then they come in here to sacrifice themselves for their family. All my life, I was just thinking, like, either I'm going to help my family or I'm hurting my family. Right now, I feel like I'm helping my family. I'm in a good place right now. And I just feel like that this is the place for me. My last question for you is this. 
What was it like to get that first touchdown as an Eagle against the Vikings? It was very exciting. The first thing I thought when I scored that touchdown was like, shout out to my son, Dre. What I do is what he's doing. It's part of our brand, the DGB brand. Hopefully, when he get older, we go back to these films, we go back and watch. He make his way up here one day. Was there any doubt whether you were in the end zone or not? Oh, I was in the end zone. <laughs> sure, yeah. You could tell like after the catch, I'm like in there, but then it's kind of like, all right, I'm relaxed now. But dude's still tackling me. Yeah. So I'm like... <laughs> Let me go. Like, I scored five minutes ago, and you still holding me. I want to celebrate. Let me go, man. Yeah. Let me go. Does Jordan Matthews have a celebration with every player on offense? Everybody think that the celebration I had was something that we put together. He just was just going off his own actions. Like, he was just freestyling. Yeah, like it was like a freestyle, but he kind of like, – we, we do this stuff every day at practice, so he kind of knew like what I was doing. Gotcha, okay. So it kind of played in at the right place. He looked like he may have been going for a high five. Did you leave him hanging there? No, of course not. It was, it, was part, it was part of the shape. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. That's fine. Doriel Green-Beckham, thank you very much for being open and honest and allowing us to delve into your past and to hear your story because I think it's an amazing story of overcoming a lot to get to where you are today. So thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. A lot to sink our teeth into there, Alex. Again, I give all the credit in the world to Doriel for being very open and honest. Yeah, absolutely. I do think, I would imagine that during the draft process, he probably had to learn to be very open and candid with teams yeah. about what he had been through. I'm sure that's probably the first thing that he was grilled. You know, you have some prospects who see how much they love the game of football, but they pretty much come from solid backgrounds. There mm -hmm. are a lot of things with Doriel to delve into and we appreciate him being open because it's a weird job from our standpoint, Alex, sure. where we see these guys in a locker room and you may have some small talk conversations with them, but the first time you really talk to a guy and you're asking him about yeah. some of the, the worst moments of his life, right. let's be honest. I mean, you know? these, these are kind of personal questions that we're Very asking personal. him. And I give a ton of credit to Doriel because as you mentioned, C-Mac, he was as open about it as he could be. He was as honest as he could be. These are tough things to talk about. The hardest parts of your life being homeless at times and bouncing from here and there, that's really hard to talk about. And for guys like Doriel to just kind of open up to us, it's a really interesting experience, I think, on our end. So to follow up that interview, we now want to bring in his father, John Beckham, who adopted him in high school. And I wanted to know when he first met Doriel, what was the decision, what was the driving force behind adopting him, and what it was like when Doriel was going through the off-the-field issues at Missouri. What was it like knowing that he had invested so much in him to get him to that point? How did he guide Doriel through those times? So here is our interview with Doriel Green, Beckham's father, John. Thank you very much for joining us. And the first question that we have for you is, Doriel talked to us about the big family that he comes from. And is it true that he wasn't the first member of the family that you coached. That is correct. Yeah, he's had several older brothers that I've coached, three older brothers that I've coached, and so, and a few younger brothers. And when did you first meet Doriel, if you were coaching some of his older brothers? Did you meet him when he was getting ready to play at the high school level, or was it while coaching his brothers? No, I was coaching one of his older brothers at the time. It was actually three brothers that became our foster kids. And then we later adopted two of them. But I was coaching one of his older brothers, and they were staying at this boy's home at the time. They didn't have a home, didn't have a family to be with. 
that's just kind of how I met him, taking his brother after practice to that boy's home and stuff like that. That's how I met him and his other brother. So, John, how early on did you know that Doriel and his siblings were in a situation where they were bouncing around from home to home? Was that something that you knew right off the bat, or was that something that you learned while coaching them? Sad to say, it's common. It's not the first situation that, as a coach, I've dealt with kids that are basically homeless, living in a foster family or living in the, in the boys' home. But I was just coaching his older brother. It was a situation where he needed a ride, and in order to go get him, the person who took him had to be a licensed foster care worker, which I happened to be because we had taken in kids prior. And so that's just kind of how the whole thing got started. You mentioned how you've taken in kids before. When you first take these kids in, how much of an adjustment is it for them to come into a new home? Depends on the age. We've taken in infants and we've taken in teenagers. You know, and obviously an infant, it's a lot easier adjustment because they're not so aware of their surroundings. But when you bring in a 12, 13-year-old boy, it's a difficult adjustment because they've been through so many, depending on the kid, they've been through so many different families or homes and rules are different and just how you do things are different. It takes a while. I mean, just the food that they eat and stuff, it's just so different. I remember the first Thanksgiving that Dory and his brothers were there. They barely ate anything. They wanted hot dogs. After a few years, they were into, you know, the food that we normally eat at Thanksgiving, you know, stuff and those kinds of things. But at first, that was foreign to them. And what made you first want to get into being a foster family, to have these kids come and stay with you and live with you? Early on, my wife and I, we were unable to have kids. We just decided that maybe be foster parents, and that's how we kind of got started. And so we fostered a lot of kids, and some of the kids that we fostered, we adopted. That's just kind of how it got started. What made you and your wife want to adopt Doriel and his brother, Darnell, if I'm correct, in particular? That's correct, Darnell, yeah. It was just a situation where there was not going to be any sort of reuniting with his biological family. Family services approached them and us both if we'd be willing to adopt. And, you know, we were willing to adopt. And they asked Doriel and Darnell if they would be willing to be adopted. And they both said yes. And that's just kind of how the process went. So how many children did you already have in your care when you took in Doriel and Darnell? Oh, I think we probably had seven other kids at the time. A little hesitant at the time whether we were making the right decision because we had so many kids. But I, I always told the kids when we took them in that we were committed to them. Because lots of times, just like Doriel and his brother, they had been to a lot of different foster families. And so they didn't know if they were staying with us for two weeks, a month, or whatever. I think the fact that we were willing to adopt really meant a lot to them. It made them feel like we were committed to them when we were. With the success that Doriel was having in high school, what was the college recruitment process like? knowing that Doriel wasn't coming from a two-parent household with a strong support system, that it was you and your wife and the other kids in the household who were providing that comfort level for him? The recruitment was just insane. I can't think of another word. But we felt that it would be good for him to stay close by, and he was good with that, too, and he wanted to stay close by. So it just worked out that way. During his college recruitment, did you kind of have to look at it in two different lenses, one as his adoptive father, but the other as his high school coach? Was there a difference there? I just always felt like, this has just been my philosophy with Doriel, is that I know I was his coach, but I was his father first. Football would take care of itself. 
there's a lot of great schools that were recruiting him. I knew he was going to have a great opportunity to go to school somewhere. I didn't get real, real involved with that. I tried to stay as uninvolved as I possibly could. It was one of those weird things because I was his coach. A college coach can call me a million times. They were limited on how many times they could call him. Mm. Or if I was just his father, there would be limitations. But there was no limits on calling his coach. So my phone for about three years never stopped blowing up until after signing day. But I tried to play the role as a father the most if I could. John, when did he approach you about adding the Beckham name to his jersey? When we went to court and have it happen, they had a choice, you know, and they said, look, if you want, you could add Beckham to your name, but you don't have to. And his younger brother, Darnell, did not add Beckham to his last name, but Doriel did. It was their choice. And what did that mean to you that Doriel did want to do that? I think we were happy that Doriel felt comfortable and, and proud to kind of add that name. And I also thought it was important that he kept his biological name as well. I thought that was important that he do that as well, because there was some talk about dropping that, and we encouraged him not to do that. John, Doriel's off-the-field issues have been well-documented. I wanted to know right. from your standpoint, how difficult was that time for you and your family, knowing that how much you invested in Doriel, knowing what you had done for him, the opportunities that you had provided for him to see him right. going through that? I'm not sure how I, how I want to express this. Kids make mistakes. But I used to tell them all the time, I said, man, Doriel, if you do something stupid, it's going to be on the ESPN. Most kids, they do something stupid, no one ever knows about it. His position, you do something stupid, I mean, everybody's going to know about it. I really felt like those issues, a lot of them were overblown. But at the same time, I just think it was immaturity on his part. He just made some bad decisions, and he paid a horrible price for them. You know, negativity sells. I don't know how else to say that. It hurt us as a family. I'm not going to lie to you. It was tough going through those times and those issues. And for so long, and it still happens. When the trade happened from Tennessee to Philadelphia, all that negative news, all that mistakes that he made along the way all came back to the forefront. Just when you think it's behind you, it's all brought back up again. It was tough, no doubt about it. John, you brought up the trade which landed him here in Philadelphia. What was that time like for him and for you as his father? Not a lot of players get traded after their first year. It's a completely new environment for him. What's that whole process been like for you? I don't want to say it was like a shock or anything. I had gotten some information that they were trying to trade some receivers. And really, the only receiver that was drawing any interest from other teams was Doriel. But at the same time, I didn't think they would trade him. He had a good rookie year, you know. I mean, I thought he played well for him. He led the team in receiving yards as a receiver. For a first-year guy, he did pretty well, I thought. But it's just the nature of the business. So it was a shock. It was a shock to him. I mean, you know, you go to work, he rolls in there, and I say, hey, so-and-so wants to talk to you. And you find out, hey, you just got traded. That's that. But uh, I think Doriel's handled it really well. John, this is our last question for you. What should fans know about Doriel? Who is Doriel? Because he's only been here for a couple months, and he's still getting acclimated to the action on the football field. But as someone who has coached him, someone who helped raise him, help him become who he is today, what should fans know about him and everything that he's gone through? He's a young dude. He's a young guy as far as an adult growing up. And he's been through things that none of us can even imagine. I've told you, he's taken a lot of kids over the years. And I don't know if I've seen 
you know, when you look at their history, if I had anybody that had it more difficult starting out, he's overcome a ton. When I listen to him do interviews, it just amazes me how far along he's come. I mean, this is a kid when he first moved into our house, when he would speak, uh, he was just so shy and introverted. And everywhere he's gone, every team he's played for, from Missouri, Oklahoma, to Tennessee, to Philadelphia, if you ask his teammates, they like being around him. He's a good guy. He's fun to be around. He wants to do well. And when things don't go well, there's no one more disappointed than he is. He's a good guy. He's going to be all right. To me, as a father, that's the most important thing. I tell my kids that I coach, I tell the kids I have in my house, that as a man, our ultimate goal is to be committed husbands and loving fathers, and everything else comes after that. I think that's important to Doriel. He has a great relationship with his son, and just how far he's come as a person, it's amazing to me. You know, And I know he gets judged publicly, how many catches, how many yards, this, that, but as an individual, as a young man, I can't be more proud of how far he's come. And He's still got some growing to do like we all do, but I'm just super proud of the man he's becoming. Well said, John. Thank you very much for your time and sharing the story of bringing Doriel into your home and helping him become the man he is today. John Beckham, head coach of the Hillcrest Hornets and the adopted father of one Doriel Green Beckham. Thank you for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. I have a lot of admiration for John Beckham. I know when I first got married and you talk about, oh, how many kids you want to have this and the other. I think we always discussed, we probably would have like two of our own and then we would adopt one because it sounds like something that's admirable. And to have seven adopted kids and you're adding two more to the mix, it's remarkable. I, I have so much admiration for people who bring in kids like that and people who coach. I mean, that's, it's a hard, hard job to do and you're doing it on a volunteer basis, maybe a little pay at the youth and high school levels and it's usually a thankless job and you're usually criticized because especially when you get to the high school level because you have to almost be a parent especially when you're in like that area it's one thing if you're in a well-to-do area but sometimes you have to deal with different situations it's not all just about the x and those on the football field it's managing these kids lives off the field as well i think we all have those moments in our lives where we see people in need and sometimes there's a choice that can be made do I choose to do the right thing and help these people or not? And I think when you look at people like John Beckham, that choice is obvious. He mentioned having seven foster children in his house, eventually adopting Doriel and his brother. That's not an easy choice by any stretch. That's a huge life choice, a huge moment, not only for him and his wife, but for Doriel and his brothers as well. But I think that Doriel's story of where he is now based on where he could have been if not for someone like John Beckham, yeah. I think it's astounding. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Special shout out to Ricky Shu, Brian Thomas, our producers behind the scene. We'll be back with a Hall of Fame episode next Ooh. week. Merrill Reese and Jeremiah Trotter will be inducted into the franchise's Hall of Fame during the Monday night game against the Green Bay Packers. So we will have them on for the podcast next week. And uh, Alex, I've been talking... For the loyal listeners out there, we have to come up with a contest. Yes. We've got we some great swag in our cubicles. In fact, I've been told by people in the building, get it out. It's, blo it's blocking. It's borderline hoarding. It is, point. yes. Yes. My desk is atrocious right now. So an easy way to clear it out will be to do uh, some kind of contest. So maybe we'll get that going in the next Maybe a trivia contest for fans mm. who've been listening all the way through. Rewarding the loyal listeners out Indeed. there. Indeed. 
and welcoming into new ones. Absolutely. You know, it's never too late to get on the bandwagon. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Eagles Entire Podcast. For Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. We will be back next week. <laughs>